From the Balboa Island Clubhouse in Newport Beach, California, and on location, this is Living the Dream Balboa Island, where we showcase extraordinary people, businesses, and regional history that influence the beauty and civility of our world-class coastal community, hosted by yours truly, Tom Dior. Today, we're honored, truly honored, and excited to be joined by Bill Stewart. Bill, introduce yourself a bit to, uh, there's so many ac accolades and accomplishments that you've achieved personally and professionally. I thought it would be only fair to let you describe yourself however you feel comfortable describing yourself for your show. Well, I've uh, been on the island now since uh, 1994 and have had a lot of past in this area previously, having owned uh, the Catalina Ferry boats from the Fun Zone, having owned the Fun Zone for a while, rescued Roosevelt's yacht, yacht from sunken Barbados, bringing it home, running it for, as a museum for a while, uh, tiring of it all, we liquidated everything and sold the Potomac, USS Potomac to Elvis Presley who gave it to Dammy Thomas to give to the hospital, St. Jude's. And uh, they said they didn't want it. It was a liability, not an asset. So Danny asked Elvis if he could sell it and give him the money, and Elvis said, sure. So he sold it for $85,000 and gave the money to, to the uh, uh, hospital. Anyway, it's had an unglorious past since then until it sank again in San Francisco. Then the Roosevelt's uh, arranged for it to be raised, money to be given and by people and the government, and they raised it, restored it. It's a beautiful ship now, running from Jack London Square in Oakland, and you can take a ride on it. So that's, the, that's my greatest achievement in my life. But I've been in the Air Force twice. I joined when I was 17 because um, my parents couldn't afford to send me to college, so I had to find a way to go, and that was the GI Bill. I learned that if I enlisted for three years, I could get a four-year college education. And so I quit school half a year early um, before graduation. In basic, I took the last course I needed in English by correspondence course, sent it in, in and graduated four months later in 1947. So I uh, spent three years in the Air Force, became an electronics technician, learned I had a natural aptitude for electronics and decided to become an electronics engineer instead of an aeronautical. Went to Caltech and while there, they recalled my reserve unit and um, sent during the Korean War, but sent me to Casablanca instead of Korea, which was very fortunate. Anyway, got out, couldn't go back to Caltech because they pulled me out in mid-year. Can't repeat anything on the GI Bill. So I asked the richest man I knew what I should do. And he said, from now on, everything's about the numbers. Get an accounting degree. So I did that at Woodbury College in LA in two years and got hired by Pricewaterhouse and company, and which is as good a job as one could get in those days. So, um, became a hospital business expert, redid uh, Cedars of Lebanon, which became Cedars Sinai, their business, whole business system. And then uh, Hogue Hospital here in Newport Beach uh, heard of me, or, or heard of us, 
and they hired me to redesign the business system of Hogue Hospital because a business manager had stolen all the money and left town. So I spent four months redesigning the whole business system. And part of the, our, our goal was to find a new controller for the hospital, a first controller. And uh, one day the board came to me and said uh, they couldn't find anybody they liked. So why, since I built it, why didn't I run it? I said, what's the pay? And it was three times what Pricewaterhouse was paying me. I said, you've got a controller. <laughs> and uh, so I worked at that a very short time. I got hired away by a Ford Aeronautronic in the space division as a financial man. And um, then um, on and on and on to enterprise after enterprise. And I got uh, hired away from there to do real estate syndications with friend Ira Dowd, who built the Newport Dunes. And um, he said, let's f do syndications like they do in New York. We got some people, put some money together, and we built on, we built a building on Irvine leased land with a bank loan, the first that had ever been done. Banks would not lend on leased land. And I found a convention union bank to do so. So we built the first building on Irvine leased land with a bank loan. And um, while working for that company, we owned the Catalina ferry boats, Island Lady and Catalina Aloha, which docked at the fun zone. And um, the uh, fun zone went into foreclosure. And a man on Balboa Island bought it. And we said, uh, give us a long-term lease on it because we wanted to protect our docking rights of our boats. And he did. And then we, um, somebody walked into our, a German walked into our office one day and said, what you really need is a hydrofoil boat to go to Catalina. And um, he had a roll of plans under his arm, which had been stolen from the German government before the end of the war. The, the Germans scuttled every one of their hydrofoil boats before they lost. And so we had the plans of a German hydrofoil boat and we built it. And it's the first hydrofoil boat certified to carry passengers for hire in the United States. And um, so uh, we sold the patent rights for a million dollars and they made only one payment. So our C CEO had to go back east to build those boats for, to carry people to the New York World's Fair. And um, uh, I got married and uh, we all kind of were going separate ways so we decided to collapse the corporation and we did, sold everything off. And I went to Santa Maria to build fourplexes with my new wife. <laughs> so I built 39 fourplexes and moved back to, to our home in Emerald Bay. Went to work for Rossmore Corporation, the Leisure World, for about three years. And went to work for, actually helped form the corporation which built the underground TV system in Newport Beach and Sunnyvale. And, um, we uh, had the first underground TV system, as far as I know, in the world. 
and we had trans um, uh, equipment that would where we could send the message both ways. We could find out what people were watching because we were owned by Footcone and Belding, an uh, advertising company, and our company was FCB Cablevision. So they, we could send out different ads to different areas, and uh, we could then monitor which ads were most productive. Anyway, that's, they, then I helped the man develop the program just like Excel, Microsoft Excel spreadsheets. And after I got that developed, I could do spreadsheets forecasts very quickly. And I did. And went to management and told them, we'll never make a profit. We made, I made the biggest loan from the California Teachers Association that they had ever made for our television business. But even with, with the payments and all of the economics, uh, I determined that we would never make a profit. So we sold the company, and I worked myself right out of a job. <laughs> and so my wife said, uh, don't go back to work. Let's, uh, let's buy small investment properties like her father had. And um, borrowed $10,000 my house and bought my first fiveplex, and ended up with uh, 50 units in Costa Mesa, fourplexes and duplexes. And uh, spent a lot of years doing that. To, sold half of them to, because uh, I was told that you shouldn't have all your eggs in one basket, and there's an earthquake fault in Costa Mesa. So you might lose your, your investment. So I took, sold half of it, took it to Texas. And lost it there instead. <laughs> he lost it there. <laughs> we bought. I bought uh, a uh, apartment building which was vacated for some reason. Had a couple of fires in it. We bought it. I could make a uh, government loan. The only requirement was that the cash flow would make the payment of the loan. And when we started, it did. And. Uh, um, the peanut farmer was a president then, and the interest rate was creeping up every day. Finally went to, what, 20-some percent. Anyway, as it crept up, it got to the point while, while during the application process, the cash flow projected would not cover the payment, and they canceled the loan. I lost the apartment house. So anyway, I left Texas and uh, decided to come back to California and uh, with my investments. And uh, uh, developed a ranch in, in uh, we moved to, to, I wanted to raise my kids in the farm ranch community. So we moved from Laguna Beach, Emerald Bay, to um, Los Olivos in the San Inez Valley. And, um, Subdivided property, built some luxury homes, um, and uh, sold all we could. There was a six-year depression in real estate at that time, and uh, in 1994, and um, so we gave it, moved down to Co to Balboa Island, where my best friend. Uh, 
owned the apartment building that we're in here, which is a stone building, the largest building on Balboa Island. And he said, well, I was a real estate broker. He said, come down here, hang up your shingle. I've got an empty apartment, move in and uh, stay on Balboa Island. So we did, we had visited him many times and um, fell in love with Balboa Island. So it was an e easy decision to make. I moved in here, started managing this building, did some sales of real estate. And um, the uh, I had uh, invested in what was, uh, at the time, the largest windmill generating power company in the United States and maybe the world called Zond, Z-O-N-D. And uh, I and uh, the man who had the idea formed the corporation in San Inez with a secretary, we formed Zond. And um, as I said, became the, I think, the biggest windmill company in uh, the United States at least. And um, we sold that to Enron. And um, we took some cash and uh, some stock and a note. Um, and uh, after a while, when, uh, after about a year, Enron came back to us and said, uh, we'd like to pay off the note early. At, um, and um, it was paying us good interest. So we asked, uh, when we sold the company to Enron, uh, they took with them an accountant that was working for us. So when we got that offer to take the payoff of the note early, we called him and he said, we said, what do you think? He said, well, I don't like the way they keep their books here. I'd sell. So we, or sell, rather, we, so we took an early payoff of the note, got all their money out, and then they went on under. And General Electric uh, bought all of our windmills from them. So, um, my um, wife read, read the newspaper one day. She said, well, gee, here's an article about G.E. Uh, uh, Bond, these windmill, windmills. They're making today 20 times the money that they made were making when they bought them. And we thought, oh boy, another thing we should have kept. <laughs> I've learned that I never, so, I never should have sold any real estate that I ever owned. And I think that's my advice to anybody today, never sell, buy it, real estate, and never sell it, because it has always gone up, and tremendously. Look at, look at Balboa Island now. When we got here, I could have bought a house for $500,000. It's probably three million now. And, um, it's too bad. I could have I could have gotten financing and bought that, and I should have. But sometimes you miss an opportunity. We're talking today with Bill Stewart. This is the Living the Dream Balboa Island podcast. Bill, you mentioned in the uh, early in our show that you have a charitable organization. Share with us the uh, your organization. Well, it's. Uh it's been unsuccessful for, so far. We started it right at the beginning of, the, of COVID. 
And the name of the company is Crystal Healed. And uh, a woman that I met and who taught my son this process or technique many years ago, um, she happened to move to Balboa Island because her daughter lives here. And she's 80 some years old. And I was talking with her at quite some length and about a technique, I guess you'd have it, that you'd call it, to heal people of cancer using quartz crystals. She learned it from the American Indians. And uh, the, uh, and for, for several years she had uh, a, a, a building uh, in, out in Claremont area. And it was healing people of all kinds of things, not just cancer. I was interested because it heals cancer. Not all cancers, it has to have a hard center. It's, it can't do a blood cancer where it's spread all through. And it's, so the best time, it's great for breast cancer. I use two treatments. Um, right now it's $100 a piece. But my, I set up a nonprofit corporation to do the healing and intended to, and still intend, to have it certified, certified by the Samueli Institute at UCI. The Samuelis gave a lot of money to, to UCI to build a building and prove alternative method, methods of healing or uh, uh, medicines. And so I, I made one trip to them, asked them to please observe our healing technique and certify us as legitimate. They said, well, come back to us with a double blind study and we'll consider it. Well, we haven't figured out how to do a double blind study on, a, on this crystal healing technique. Uh, all we do is uh, personalized down on a, on a bench, not a metal bench. And um, the, uh, our healer uh, cl cleans their chakras first and then searches their body for the cancer to determine where it is exactly. And then once he finds it, he zaps it with the crystals. Two crystals put together of a certain um, form that's a, an even number of surfaces on one, an odd number on the other. And when those are put together, they send out a beam, a power beam. And uh, it's strong. Uh, I mean, it can be physically felt. If it hits metal and bounces back, the, uh, it, uh, it can push a person against a wall. Um, anyway. That only happened when I had a metal plate in his head. They went around, and when they got to that, the power of that forced her back against the wall. And um, it's the first time she realized how powerful that was. Anyway, um, a shot of that will usually kill the nucleus of that ca cancer uh, in one shot. Maybe we usually give it a second one to be sure. But on a breast cancer, it has a hard knot. You zap it with the crystals and it goes soft. And then the body 
disposes of it. And we've done it many, many, many times. And I just, I, this woman is in her 80s. I said, we have to do something. We, we can't let this science die with you. We've got to get something going. And, and the, so I set up the, the um, corporation, 501c3. Any money given to the corporation is tax deductible. And the fee for a treatment through the corporation will be whatever you can afford or whatever you think it's worth. Or, and uh, so if somebody comes in and they're poor and can't afford anything, they'll get a free treatment. If, if he's a wealthy millionaire, we'll ask him to tell us what he thinks it's worth and that will be his commitment to pay us. And he gets a tax deduction for it. It's not often you can get a tax deduction for your, what you pay to get a healing. And uh, so anyway, that was set up. And I just can't get the Samuel A. Institute to do what they advertised, and that is to prove the efficacy of alternative healing techniques. Um, their demands on us are greater than we can accomplish at this time anyway. So I'm going to go back and try to get to Mrs. Samuel and say, watch this, just watch it, and you'll know. And uh, what I really, my ultimate goal is to go into the Chalk Hospital, Children's Hospital of Orange County, and heal all the brain cancers in there have all those children walk out healed. That's my goal um, before we heal all the breast cancer. In Orange County, five, there are five women every day are, are um, diagnosed with breast cancer. That's a lot of people. We could have a lot of healers, we could train a lot of healers if we had the money um, to heal these people. And uh, it's so simple, the breast cancer is the simplest. Um, but the brain cancers are, are done, uh, they did uh, uh, four brain cancers of my son's father-in-law, my son and her working together. So anyway, that's my goal, was to leave that as my last accomplishment. I'm 93 years old, so... Um, uh, I'd like to spend the rest of my life in that and healing cancer as simply as that without ever touching the person. No ingestion, nothing. They just lie down and get healed. Bill, if you were to sum up your experience, we won't say your life experiences, but just say your personal and professional experiences, you shared with us a, a goal of yours. Um, a dream, a goal. What do you uh, What do you see the future of of where we live here, Balboa Island? You know, as much as you 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 can. Sometimes it's going to not work. Sometimes it's, it will. But I'm curious as to what your uh, your vision in the next ten, fifteen, twenty years, taking the experiences you've had in your life and trying to project it outwards. 
There's no well, right or wrong answer to it. I'm just curious as to your vision. Well, thank God the, the uh, council is, is uh, trying to limit the conversion of cottages to three-story buildings. Um, if, if they don't s stop it, the entire island will be three-story residential buildings. And um, it will just lose a lot of its charm. It'll still be charming. Marine Avenue, as long as we can keep the city from trying to cut down all the trees. Uh, that Balboa is one of the, is really the beauty spot of Newport Beach. When you come across that bridge and look down there, it's, it's a paradise that you don't see anywhere else in the city. It's so different. And all the little shops and restaurants, it's, it's just, it's just great. And uh, we can't lose it. We had to, we've had to fight hard to keep it pure, just like it is. And uh, we, we won that battle of saving the trees. They actually wanted to cut them down and put in a colorful flowering tree instead. And um, so anyway, now that the city council has said uh, uh, they've given people with cottages the ability to maybe put a second unit on the lot uh, over the garage or in the back and keep the cottage in front to maintain some of the charm of the island. We have people that come here from England, for instance, and get on a bicycle and ride up and down the street just to see the flowers. And, uh, and they're beautiful. You walk around at, at when roses bloom, and you'll see many, many different varieties of roses, and they're all gorgeous all over the island. A lot of people come here just to walk the island and uh, for exercise, but to, um, to enjoy the beauty of the island. And maintaining that legacy with the, keeping the, with the integrity of that legacy how uh why does it matter so much to you well i've i've been a lot of places in the world and um this this is it this is the best place in the world this is where i want to live the rest of my life and a lot of other people do too People who have traveled every place. I mean, I've been up and down the Amalfi Coast in Italy, and there's some gorgeous spots, but they're different, and they don't, they're not where I want to live. This is where I want to live. Um, it's, it's just got everything. It's got the weather, it's got the restaurants, uh, it's got the, all the people who are friendly. I'm very active in the museum. Yes. We have a great museum, and I'm the, veteran and nautical curator of the museum. I've, several years ago, I guess it's been about eight, seven, eight years ago now, um, I thought we should do something for veterans in the museum. And I was made curator of the veterans thing, and we set up our veterans program, which included a website uh, on which each veteran of the island, and at that time we started, there were 181 vets, and um, each vet will have a page on the website which will include everything we know about him having to do with his military experience. 
And that's for anybody who's had any connection with Balboa Island, including Audie Murphy, who was the most decorated soldier of all time in World War II. And he had a boat and he docked it here for a while at one time. That's his connection to Balboa Island. And that puts Audie in the museum. And uh, we have some people who live just off the island, but we have many World War II vets. Um, the uh, mo most World War II vets are 95 and older. I happen to be 93 because I joined at 17. But uh, uh, so it's said that I may be the li youngest living World War II vet. And not the youngest ever, but the youngest living. Because oh. <laughs> uh, sadly, too many of them uh, move on a little sooner. Anyway, the um, so the um, we have we now then I started the barbecues and um, we have um, barbecue every Veterans Day and every Memorial Day in the park, and it's been very successful. We just had the Veterans Day, and we always have over a hundred people, and um, uh, people have a lot of fun. We try to get the firemen to do the barbecuing on a special trailer they have. We have hot dogs, hamburger, and spam. And um, it's, it's a great experience. People love it. The, uh, our last um, Memorial Day barbecue was last May. Memorial Day is the last Monday in May. When we had that, that was really the end of COVID for us, for the most part. And the people all came out. We had a mob. And uh, it was wonderful. Bill, what would you uh, like to, uh, to share that we may not have touched on in uh, the inaugural show of uh, Living the Dream Balboa Island? What would you like to share with your audience today that we may not have talked about? I thought I hit everything I've ever done. <laughs> 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 but... Uh, um, I think uh, I haven't mentioned the BIIA on the island, which is really responsible for, for all the beautification of the island. I was treasurer for eight years and on the board for eight years, and now in the beautification committee for years. Um, we put in the grass that is around the flagpole at the entrance of the island, it's artificial grass. We put it around the fire station, and we and we put it around every tree with a red brick border. This was 10 years ago. The city just decided the trees weren't getting enough water, so they wanted to tear out that grass around the trees and uh, pull out the bricks. The, the trees have been going, growing beautifully. It's all bold. There was no problem about the water. They just wanted to make a change. So they tore out that grass. That's okay. But they're putting an iron grate in now. And uh, so we're always improving. The city is always improving. The grass, I think, is still around the fire, fire station, too. But um, I think the, the Balboa Island Improvement Association is vital to the island. Uh, all the decoration up now, all the uh, tree uh, light poles wrapped in garland is all BIA uh, work. Uh, or expense, at least. Um, we do uh, the parade every year in June. 
Uh, and then we have a pancake breakfast, which is free to members, and they make awards to the people in the, in the parade. Um, the pots at the end of every street was a BIA institution, and um, they give awards for the best uh, flower pot. And um, they, um, the BIA is always doing something good for the island. At the barbecues, they, uh, Jack uh, Callahan is my man who works for the BIA, and they bring over the, uh, the tables and the canopies. Um, I should mention, and the man who does all the food is uh, uh, Dennis Brass, who lives across the street. And between Jack and Dennis and, and now Dennis's son, they are really my guys who run the barbecue. All I have to do is say, hey, we're going to do it. And I watch all the business part of it. But uh, the BIA is a f fantastic organization. Everybody should join it. It's, it's wrong not to join the BIA. You can join at anything, I think, from $50 to whatever you want to pay. And... Um, so anyway, that uh, the BAA and the museum are probably the two greatest institutions on the island. And in closing, also the Christmas, since we're in the, uh, the Christmas season. Well, as I said, the BIA has arranged for the decoration of all the light poles on the island with garland and, and bows. And uh, on the main street, uh, the garlands and so forth. Now we just put up the Christmas tree, or it's just today decorated at the fire station. We have the, we bring in snow, we bring, make snow uh, next to the BIA and uh, have a ceremony for the Christmas tree lighting. And it's just wonderful. It's just hometown, you know, it's a, we're a little town here in the middle of Newport Beach. Yes. Bill, it's been a real honor and pleasure for you being a guest on Living the Dream, Balboa Island. Thank you for being here. We hope to have you on again real soon if you're open to doing so. Okay. Thank you if again. I'm still here. <laughs> we'll keep you here. You've been listening to Living the Dream, Balboa Island podcast. I'm Tom Dior. Our guest today has been Bill Stewart. Bill described himself uh, there's so much, uh, you know what, Bill, why don't we give a, a website for you so some people can go. Is it the Balboa Island Museum, I think? Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah it has, it has I'm a, a nice vet piece. of two wars, and I, I um, so I have a page and I have a lot of junk on it. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it's junk. It's really good. It's out, outstanding information. So go to uh, the Balboa Island Museum. What is it, Balboa Island? Yeah, Balboa Island Museum. Okay. Um, it, now it's... We've added uh, Newport Beach to the name to be more inclusive of sure. Newport. Um, so it's now Balboa, Balboa Island Museum, Newport Beach. Excellent. But anyways, there is a website um, under the same name, I think. And you can look up your veteran's name and see everything about his military history that he, he provides or somebody else provides. Excellent. Again, thanks for being here, Bill. You've been listening to the Living the Dream Balboa Island podcast. It's recorded at the Balboa Island Clubhouse in Newport Beach, California, and on location. If you wish to contact us, our email address is 
podcast at livingthedreambalboa.com. Again, that's podcast at livingthedreambalboa.com. Thank you for listening.